it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Jet. What is this one again? Derek lost cause by a black pistol fire. That is correct. That is an outstanding intro. I love that track. That is uh, some good stuff. Thanks for mixing that into the rotation. No problem. All right. We got the uh, Blue Jays in action against Baltimore tonight. 3-1 for the Orioles. It is uh, in the fourth inning. World Juniors today. Earlier, Czechia over Slovakia 5-4. Germany and USA coming up at 8. Late in the third period, Finland leading Latvia 5-1. Canada will play Latvia tomorrow at 4. got Canadian goaltender Sebastian Kosa coming up later on the show. Uh, Good for him, representing the uh, team, representing the Oil Kings. Uh, I mean, back in uh, December, there were three more Oil Kings on the team, and then Justin Sordiff got traded to Edmonton. Roster, I think they got eight players back from the uh, Christmas tournament. I'll ask Kosa about that. He's going to be coming up a little bit later on in the show. Also, Kurt Hill, the GM of the Oil Kings, they make a trade today, and they hire uh, a new assistant coach. In half an hour, Dan O'Toole. Yes, that'll be fun. From the Boomsies podcast, formerly of TSN, and formerly play-by-play voice of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. That is when I first met Dan. Would have been, uh, God, when was that? 2000 or 2001? He was doing play-by-play for Fort McMurray. Going to be fun to have him on the show. It is always not just fun, but quite frankly, a personal honor to have this next gentleman on the show. He is an alum of the 630 Ched Sports Department. He now hosts the ever-popular program, The Green Zone, on CJME Radio in Regina. It is Jamie Nye checking in tonight. Jamie, my good sir, how are you doing? Reed Wilkins, how are you? Well, I'm outstanding. I'm happy to speak with you. What's going on in Regina? How are, how are things? What's the vibe in the city? Everybody's uh, happy they didn't have to watch the Riders lose last week, so in a lot better mood than the last three weeks for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming back from a bye week. It is, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rider mood is Saturday night after they take on the Edmonton Elks. But for me, I was camping all last week, so my mood is fantastic. You're, you're fantastic. Well, the, the bye week, the, the, uh, the, the fans can't suffer through a loss, and they suffer through you. You know, you, you obviously live there. Just the, the riders are an incredibly well-supported team. Like, I, I, I think they're the best-supported team in the Canadian Football League. You lived and worked in Edmonton, and uh, obviously you were part of the Oilers coverage and part of the double E coverage. Um, as you know, I, I've worked on the Oilers broadcast for nine years. Uh, I, I was at a, 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 my buddy had a 50th birthday party, very large gathering last weekend, probably over 100 people there. 
I was mingling, seeing some people that I hadn't talked to since before the pandemic. And uh, most of them wanted to talk about the Oilers with me to some extent. Uh, and most of them were, you know, pretty happy with this, the summer and the playoff run and where the team is hopefully headed this upcoming season. Like, do you, com- do you ever offer comparisons? And I'm not just saying, well, which is more? Like, I'm not just saying, well, which team is beloved more? But maybe just the effect of the success or failures of a team on the psyche in the markets? Like, is there any comparisons or contrasts you can offer? Oh, yeah. When when you were, uh, when you talk about the Edmonton Oilers uh, going through the post 06, uh, uh, I was just coming into the Oilers broadcast after the Pronger trade and all that other stuff went down. And that was uh, some lean years for the Edmonton Oilers. And it reminded me of some of the lean years when I'm here in like 11 and 12 and especially 14, 15, 16. It was like, this team and all the calls and everything else. So yes, uh, very comparable to how the Ryder fans probably overreact both directions. If you know what I mean? Like they, right. they think the riders are the most glorious franchise who's never going to lose a game when they're riding high. And when it's low, it's like this, there's a dumpster fire and everybody needs to be fired when reality's usually somewhere in between those two uh, <laughs> big swoons and waves and valleys of the organization. All right. Let's let's talk about Chris Jones before we we dive into some of the current story. Well, this is one of the current storylines for this season. But like I, I've, Chris Jones to me is never boring. I think he is just incredibly interesting, from his accent to his history to his almost maniacal dedication to the sport of football and, and to his team. Um, he has been. I mean, he went five and thirteen the first year in Saskatchewan. The next year, he was 10-8, and eight, and I, honestly, Jamie, by the end of that year, I thought they were the best team in the league, but they didn't have a quarterback, and they screwed up the East Final in Toronto, uh, and then they were they were 12-6 and six and lost a home game in Saskatchewan. We, we know about his two previous years in Edmonton. G. Roy Simon was on the show in the first half hour. He said, you got to believe in Chris Jones. you got to believe in the coaching staff. They've all won in the past, and, and you got to be patient to some extent. I'm just wondering... Um, you, you know, you dealt with him on a day-to-day basis, as Dave, Dave and Morley have and did before. Um, like, do you do you totally believe in Chris Jones? Were there things from his stay in Saskatchewan where you think, like, you, you know, yes, he won, but here's a crack or two in the armor? Like, what do you think? Well, with Chris Jones, what I learned after he left was how divided the locker room was between offense and defense where he spent so much of his time uh, on the defensive side of the football. And a few of the offensive players would kind of the next year was like, wow, it feels like we're, that was what, 2019. It's like, it feels like it's a way more family atmosphere because Chris Jones put them against each other. It was a very competitive practice. It was offense versus defense. It's offense versus defense. It's, you know, chicken dinners and all that stuff on the line. So uh, I, I think that's where, I don't know if he's adjusted that in Edmonton where he has a, a better culture throughout the room or not, but I'm inter- I'm interested to see what, what happens there for the this Edmonton team because he can definitely find talent. He can definitely scout. He loves doing it. He, he's going to find the talent. Edmonton's going to be a better team, but I'm very interested. Can he build a championship team? 
with a championship uh, what a culture that uh, definitely we've seen in Winnipeg. Uh, I, I want to flash back to the 2017 season because I believe, and, and again, I like they they didn't start that great. I'm just looking back. They were two and four. They wound up ten and eight. They had to cross over. They beat Ottawa. They're leading Toronto late in the game, and uh, Ricky converts the third down play, and they go on and get a touchdown. And if I remember correctly, like that was the year, they, like they didn't have a quarterback. It was Kevin Glenn. Then it was Brandon Bridge. I think Adams might have played a little bit. You'll remember better than I did. And then I look at this year's Elks team, and it's like they don't. Like Cornelius, okay, maybe Ford, okay, maybe Arbuckle. I mean, they didn't want them all off season, and then they finally traded him. It's just fascinating to be in a quarterback-driven sport, not just a quarterback-driven league, a quarterback-driven sport. That seems to be the last piece he goes out and gets. Like, tell me if I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but that's just how I look. I look at it, and I look at the 2017 Riders. Uh, yeah, and that, that was uh, one of the biggest flaws for Chris Jones was the quarterback. Although he was the one who, you know, goes after Zach Kalaros too. And Zach Kalaros came in, and then there was the concussion at the start of the 2018 season. Of course, there was the monster one. Uh, and then there was the politics at the end of the season. He brings in Drew Tate late because Zach Caleros is questionable to play, and it's who's going to start at quarterback for the Rough Riders in the 2018 playoffs. And it was never the consistency, but early on it was he had Darian Durant in 2016, and that relationship soured quickly between those two egos. And then he played that game with Kevin Glenn and Brandon Bridge all season long, and it was just this, like, where where's the quarterback and that's why i look at he is so mindful of the defense where he'll find defensive talent where is he and i know he is and i know stephen mcadoo is dedicated to having a successful offense but when you see all these offensive you know players switching ac leonard to defensive line that's played off switching to ron carter uh, to defensive back. The, like the, some of these talented offensive players get switched over to the defense in a chris jones team and uh, I'm interested to see again, like you are. The quarterback in Saskatchewan was never stable, ever. And if that's going to be the same way, that's why I say I don't know if he can build a championship team. He definitely won't with with uh, without having stability at the quarterback spot. So, it, but it, it's always interesting. Chris Jones, I love Chris Jones. Covering Chris Jones was a thrill a minute because. He, you know, to heck with the rules, to heck with the, all this stuff. I'm going to do it my way or the highway. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. And he was such a character, and he really didn't, I don't I don't think he really cares what the media has to say about him because we don't help him win football games, so he doesn't really care. And uh, you, you see him around, and you think, man, he must hate us. And then he's like, hey, how's it going? And, like, he buys you a drink. Like, it's like, well, what is this? What is happening? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't so think he because... – I don't think he cares what anybody thinks, though. Like, I, I think yeah. it's just – and, again, whether it's uh, media or, or a fan, like, I think he'll be civil. 
Um, and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, I've never really seen him socially, but it, I mean, I don't know if he actually did buy you a drink or like, I, I don't think he's hostile. I just think when it comes to focus, it was time, the Grand Marnier. It was delicious. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, that's awesome. But yeah, I just think like, and again, that's what makes him so, and obviously people at the, in sports, especially pro sports, it, well, a lot of like they are completely dedicated, but I just get the sense with Jones, like, is he ever not thinking about football or watching an iPad? Or, I mean, he probably still has. I did a show on VHS tapes last week, he probably still has a working VHS tape just in case he needs to watch some video from before it got transferred over. Like, I just think that's what you're right, he is absolutely a, a fascinating personality to follow. This is a guy who on family vacations will book like a tryout for the morning. Like like that's like he'll he'll he wants to watch football players. It's a, like it, it it's unreal on how much he loves the game and you can't find many people with that much passion for what they do and when you find someone who's that passionate success will follow but it is, and but it, and, that, and you saw it. You saw the rise. What Craig Dickinson had in 2019 was it was all Chris Jones pretty well, because he left so late in that off season in that mid January area where so much of the work and thoughts on what's going to happen next year and some of the groundwork's already done on free agency. So he brought in a lot of this talent and scouted a lot of this talent that is. Uh, being right up there with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I love the irony of 2017, how that ended uh, so close to getting to a Grey Cup. And it was actually Cody Fajardo who scored the winning touchdown on that one-yard plunge oh, for the geez, Toronto Argonauts. Right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right, because they got down there. And it, was it not, uh, was it Ricky to Wilder on the third and four, I think? Yeah, over Sammy Guavin, yeah. uh, who was uh, in coverage on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, man, we're really going down memory lane here. This is this is fun. <laughs> All right. So uh, JB Nye joining us from CJME Radio in Regina. He hosts the Green Zone. Right, so this year's edition of the Riders, they're they're four and four. They were four and one. Um, th- they've lost to Eastern teams three times in five meetings, which even the Elks haven't done. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they got the, it wasn't as bad against Rourke as it was for the Elks, but it wasn't good against Rourke a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've watched a lot of rider action. I think Cody Vajardo is very good, but then when he's not good, I sometimes wonder like, who am I watching? Um, you're a lot closer to it th- than I am. Uh, like what's... Did like are are they not as good as that four and one start? Is is there a legitimate shot for the Elks this Saturday? I think there's a shot for the Elks. Absolutely. The problem is is their quarterback, and they're getting the Riders are getting Pete Robertson back this week, who missed the last three games. And but this offense can't move the ball. Like the last two games, uh, it's been almost 15 minutes discrepancy in time of possession for the for the opposition Toronto one game and BC the other like that's you can't manage that like the defense can't last that long on the field so they need more production and the offensive line has been battered and bruised and COVID hit and it's been kind of a turnstile on what's going there they've allowed the most sacks Cody's knees hurt so he can't get away from coverage and fight through it 
as much as he used to be able to. That was a big part of his repertoire. So if this rider team is going to turn the corner, it's going to be probably led by this defense. They get Garrett Marino off suspension next week. Uh, they've been missing three of their top defensive linemen the last three weeks in this three-game losing streak, and Robertson, A.C. Leonard, and Garrett Marino. So that has been part of the problem, but there's been a lot of problems. Their coverage team on special teams isn't that good. They give up big plays. You know, like the, the run game will flash. They'll have a big play, and then they'll run for one yard, one yard, one yard, two yards, and then 28 yards all of a sudden. It's just a random inconsistency uh, for this offense and the defense hasn't been able to get the pass rush the last couple of games so yeah this bye week couldn't have come at a better time for them to disconnect go away refresh come back and today's practice uh, Britton Gray our writer reporter was uh, saying to me that they just they were laughing they're having fun where there has been a big cloud over this team since the Garrett Marino incident against the Ottawa Red Blacks five weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that one wasn't great. All right, you host a sports talk show like I do, a lot of football talk. Um, I want to flash back, though. What, for, for your audience, what were a couple of the primary storylines during the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, there was the Oilers, for one. That was a big one. Uh, was the Oilers... Uh, and the Battle of Alberta definitely took over the show, watching the Tampa Bay Lightning try to win. But for we just had the parade through, there was a lot of Saskatchewan connections on that Colorado team. So that was of benefit to watch those guys parade the Stanley Cup around Saskatchewan the last couple of days. Head coach Jared Bednar from Humboldt, uh, Darcy Kemper, the goaltender from Saskatoon, had it. Uh, he also had Josh Manson, Dave Manson's son uh, from Prince Albert. Uh, he had the cup, and uh, Ryan Murray, the former second overall pick, uh, who was kind of the seventh, eighth D-man for Colorado, had it in the Regina area too. So those were kind of, kind of the big storylines is watching the Saskatchewan guys do well for Colorado, watching that great battle of Alberta, and uh, another disappointing time for Toronto Maple Leaf fans in our province. There's not that many <laughs> left, are there? <laughs> oh yeah, the old Toronto has a following. That original six in Saskatchewan is still pretty strong. There's a lot of Boston, uh, Boston, Detroit, Toronto, and Montreal fans in the province too. Are there a lot of Jets fans since they came back, or not yeah, really? You absolutely. There's a, a lot of a lot of people go to the Jets games to watch their favorite teams because it's a little bit of a shorter trip than it is to Edmonton and Calgary. And a little bit of a cheaper trip too, I think. So, uh, but there's a, a few. But I think I think Oilers Flames battle for one two in the popularity of this uh, in Saskatchewan for hockey fandom, and then Toronto Montreal would probably be three four. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, Jamie, this was awesome. Uh, I'll have to call into your show sometime, and I'll uh, ask some random question about a third string offensive lineman on the Riders. Sound fair? <laughs> Jose St. John might start again on uh, uh, on Saturday. Former first overall pick. Chris Jones' first ever selection as the Riders' GM and somehow is still lingering as the sixth offensive lineman. <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. Take care, Reed.
That is a uh, former uh, colleague. I wasn't in the sports department uh, when Jamie was here, but I was working at Ched. We did overlap a little bit. Great guy, great radio host, and always has some uh, good insight as we're talking a little bit about uh, CFL, NHL, and the Saskatchewan-Edmonton game coming up on Saturday night. It is 6.51. Blue Jays still trailing 3-1 to the Orioles. That is in the sixth. Dan O'Toole is coming up after the 7 o'clock news. It's Inside Sports on Ched. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right. Blue Jays pushing a run across here, top of the sixth and our trailing Baltimore 3-2. Good to have Jamie Nye on the program. Dan O'Toole, formerly of Jay and Dan, now has the Boomsies podcast. We'll catch up with him in about 10 minutes after the 7 o'clock news. The Oilers season, my goodness, there are preseason games on 6.30, Ched. Next month, GM Ken Holland was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Uh, Ryan McLeod, restricted free agent, still not signed, but Holland, uh, pretty sure McLeod's going to have a deal in place by training camp. It's an inevitability. We're, we're going to get Ryan done. I mean, he's going to be he's, he's going to be in training camp. He'll be signed, whether it's on a one-year deal or a two-year deal. And I think they would like to see. You know, am I am I done? I'm not sure exactly if I'm done. I would say to you right now, Bob, that probably the industry is kind of now that arbitration's over. Certainly, the World Junior is on. But I've talked to a lot of managers over the last. Uh, a week or so and the industry started to go quiet now till probably after labor day there are some players that are out there that are still looking for for opportunities and agents are 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 calling but most of the teams uh, have spent their their cap space and they might have a little bit left and maybe looking for somebody that can maybe give you a little deeper between the 750 and you know less than a million dollar dollar mark so you know once you get after labor day weekend and teams start to start thinking towards prospect tournaments and training camp you know you can now maybe have some 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 conversations but i think for the most part everybody's kind of feeling pretty good about what they've got they feel good about their kids they're looking forward to getting to training camp with what they've got and and uh, and sorting it all out and we're, we're we're in the same boat all right get that full interview stoffer with holland sign up for the oilers now podcast wherever you find your podcast or go to the show page on 630shed.com same deal with this program called Inside Sports. Okay, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news and weather. I believe looking like a hot one tomorrow. We'll get the details there. Dan O'Toole is ahead. Kurt Hill, Oil Kings general manager. They had a couple very newsworthy announcements today. And Sebastian Kosa with the Canadian World Junior Team, Oil Kings goaltender. He's going to check in as well. Thanks for checking out the show. Talk to you in a few minutes. 